just want to draw your attention just to one thing in the bulletin that we're, is coming up in, in September, two weeks after Labor Day, September uh, 16th. We're going to get together once again at Cedar Lake for a baptism and barbecue and kind of the saying goodbye to summertime. Uh, that's just depressing. And so, um, but, you know, put that on your calendar. We, last year we, we were out there uh, at the end of August, so we, we had to push it back a couple of weeks because Cedar Lake was really packed this summer. And, uh, but we were able to squeeze in on the 16th. I think the weather should still be nice. And, uh, yeah, Tom? You can do that also. We're going to do, we're going to do uh, a barbecue. It'll be uh, bring, your own, bring your own meat and maybe a side to share, BYOM. And uh, we'll, we'll have a big, the big barbecue going for that. We'll have a, t- a baptism time. And so in your life groups, I'll be talking about baptism over the next few weeks and, and looking for those of you who haven't been baptized. Uh, talk to your life group leader. If you're not in a life group, you can, you can still be baptized, of course. Um, just come and see. Get in a life group or come and see one of the one life group leaders themselves or, or myself, Pastor Jeff, or, or Ed, and talk, talk about that. We'll go through a class. But it'll be a great good time of celebration. I'm excited about that other than saying goodbye to summer. Hallelujah. Who are you? If I were to ask you this morning, who are you? You'd probably give answers like I might say, well, well I'm Rob Hastings. Well, that's my name. But is that who I am? Well, I'm a husband and a father. I'm a pastor. Those are, those are some of my roles in life, but that's not who I am either. I'm an American. That's where I live. But who am I? Well, I'm five foot ten and 200 pounds. <laughs> and that begins to talk about the description of who I am. And, but it's still not who I am. Because, you know, if, if you began to cut off my limbs, it would hurt, but it wouldn't change who I am. So you've got to dig real deep to understand who we are. Who are we at the core? And is who you are determined? Like I said, I'm, I'm a pastor. You can be a contractor or work in a bank or is who you are determined by what you do? Or is what you do determined by who you are? I believe it should be the latter rather than the former. Understanding who we are, what we believe about ourselves, <clears throat> making sure that who we are is based on truth and not just on, on a lie or on subjection. It should be based on truth. It should be based on God's truth. That's going to shape our lives. Understanding who we are is going to give us a purpose in life. It's going to help us to walk in victory. I believe that knowing who we are and allowing that to begin to come out will change our actions. We need to establish our Christian life on what we believe rather than on how we behave. Our, our lives as Christians shouldn't be established in, well, you know, on our actions, but on what we believe. And then what we believe will come out in our actions. Who you are will come out in your actions. You know, it's inevitable. 
Whoever you are, it's your core person, will begin to come out. If you've ever been in a situation where you were a poser, pretending to be something or somebody that you weren't, eventually your true self begins to come out. The things that make you up, the things that at times hold you back. Those things begin to come out. It's inevitable. No person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way he perceives himself. I'm going to say that again. No person can consistently behave in a way that's inconsistent with the way he perceives himself. We all perceive ourselves in many ways, but that doesn't even make up truly who we are. It's our perception of who we are. We've got to go beyond our perception of who we are to find out truly who we are. See, we don't really live the reality of our life. I believe we, re we live out the interpretation of our lives. We act not in reality, but we act out the interpretation of our reality. What you think is real is how you'll behave. But that's not always true. How many times have you been offended at a conversation or something and you acted out only to come to find out that what you understood was not what they meant, but you act on your interpretation of reality? So we need to know who we are. We really need to understand who we are as Christians for that to begin to affect our behavior. Too often as Christians, we try to affect our behavior first. Who are we? We're in Christ. We're in Christ. As Christians, the very first thing is we are in Christ. We don't have to alter our behavior. We have to understand that we are no longer in the world. We're in Christ. What does that mean? We're going to spend the next number of weeks discovering who we are in Christ and what that means. Who are you? Who are you? But I, this morning, I believe in order to do that, to understand more of who we are, being in Christ, as Christians, that forms our identity. But before we go into talking about that, which I really wanted to do this week as I was ramping up for this message, I kept coming back saying, we need to understand who God is before we understand who we are in God. We need to understand who Christ is before we understand who we are in Christ. In order to understand God, and I, it, every time I kept coming back to this, there's no way. We're not going to understand God. Where do you start understanding God? I remember one, one time on the streets in Hollywood, and we were doing uh, some, some soul-winning soul street witnessing, and we found this little side street that was right off of Hollywood Boulevard, but tucked away. Gare is right by Cherokee Avenue. Right, right where the old uh, oasis was, but on the other side. And so we found this little neighborhood, and, we're, and it was interesting because it was just it felt like a little suburban street. And we're walking down, and I ran, came up to this this young teen, maybe 12 years old, and I handed him a track and and uh, to tell him about Jesus. And he said, "Well, what's this?" And and he looked very interested. And I said, "Well, this is a little piece of paper. It tells you about Jesus." And he looked at me, and unless he was really good straight-faced, honestly said, who's Jesus? 
And I went, wow, who's Jesus? This is, this is California, this is the United States. And I said, well, you've heard about God. And he looks at me again, unless he's a master manipulator liar at 12. I believed him. He said, who's God? I've never heard about God. To my shame, I wasn't prepared for this. I said, well, read this, have a good day, and I walked away. <laughs> you know, there's something in it that's, you know, we can talk about God as long as there's a premise of God. Something. I'm not going to walk away today. We're going to talk about who God is. Just briefly, understanding some of His attributes so that we can move on to understand who we are in Christ. That's foundational, I believe, to our health, to our spiritual maturity, is knowing who we are in Christ. And so we're going to spend time on this. This morning, who is God? Who is God? First of all, God is incomprehensible. So how can we know Him? He is incomprehensible. Job 11.7. And I, this morning, I have a lot of scriptures. So you can write the notes down and you can listen again online. We're, because in, for each attribute of God, I try to give a scriptural reference as we talk about it. But first, Job 11.7 says, Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out about the limits of the Almighty? No. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. God is beyond our comprehension. He is truly incomprehensible. I, I, I've said this a number of times. If, if we can truly understand God, then there's no reason for Him. He's, that our understanding of God, if we can truly understand Him, then He's not even necessary in our lives. What makes God God is that He is beyond our reasoning, beyond our understanding. But as incomprehensible as God is, He is knowable. See, we can't understand Him fully, but we can know Him. We can know about Him and we can know Him. Hebrews 11 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sin, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God, this scripture says that God reveals Himself in the person of Jesus, who is the express image of God. God is knowable in and through Jesus. He is incomprehensible, but we can know Him. Second John 1.18 says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. He makes Himself known to us, and yet He stays incomprehensible. John 17.3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God is not so far off that He says, You can't know me. He says, I want to know you. I want you to know me. And you know me, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And 1 John 5.20 says, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. 
He is the true God and eternal life. God is, that is that, that part of God that is far off and yet close, incomprehensible and knowable. We can't fully fathom Him, but we can know Him personally. We can know Him intimately. And He reveals Himself in His nature and character through the person of Jesus and through the Word of God. And so beginning out, it's, it's, it's amazing as we start the journey, but that's the first place we start. And, and then we go, well, okay, God, well, who are you? Who are you? And we're going to just go over some, some of the big things of God and talk about some attributes. Who is He? Well, in His existence, He is and was and always shall be. He just is. Genesis in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God is and was and always shall be. He has always existed. This right there blows my mind. This is the incomprehensible. And this is what a lot of people have a problem with. Well, then who created God? He just is. He's always existed. I want to read Isaiah 40, 25 through 28. So this is, you know, I'm breaking some of the rules in preaching. I'm giving way too many scriptures. <laughs> but we want to make sure this is in the Word and of the Word of God. We want to know God. Starting in verse 25, 40, 25, Isaiah. To whom then will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all by name, by the greatness of His might and the strength of His power. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known Him? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the Creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. The everlasting God. Time is just a, a whole thing for us that we can't comprehend because we're locked into this earth. You know, our understanding is so finite compared to the universe, let alone eternity. Everything about us is locked up into this time. You know, at what time you're going to have dinner and when you're going to go here. And that's all based because we live on planet Earth that rotates a full rotation every day. And so we have a 24-hour day. And everything that we find so precious being time. Time is one of the most precious things. It's a commodity you can never get back. Don't waste time in your life. Invest time. These things are principles for us. And yet they're all based on being on this tiny little speck in the corner of the galaxy. God is everlasting. God is eternal. He is, was, and always shall be. And that's the beginning of God. Taking this from Duffield through a theology book, such expressions as, as in seen in Jeremiah extol Him as both Creator and Provider. They reveal His power. Wisdom, providence, and immutability. This is but only one portion. Jeremiah, just one portion of one chapter from the Old Testament. When we add in the New Testament, 
and the revelation of God is seen in Jesus Christ. We have a, a living source. It's rich. It's abundant from which to understand the virtues of God, His attributes, His properties. It's amazing. One little part and we see He's everlasting, the Creator. He doesn't faint, faint is not worthy. He's full of might and strength of His power. That's His existence. How do we know about God? We see God in nature. The Scriptures tell us that, that all nature cries out that there is a God. We see Him every day if we'll just simply open our eyes and look. Last night or on uh, Thursday night after our, our meeting here we had with uh, Freedom in Christ Ministries went out and our light apparently is broken again. I don't know. It wouldn't come on on Thursday night, which was a shame. It was dark out there. But was, you know what's great about walking out into the dark? The stars are bright. And you look up into the stars. And you know, it's always fun to be with a flatlander when they walk outside at night for the first time. And they, I mean, it's, have you been there with them? I mean, it's great. They go, oh! I mean, I literally hear them gasp in and they look up at God's creation. There is a divine order in nature, a divine majesty in the nature that cries out that there is a God. In thermodynamics, the laws of entropy, it declares that the, law, the laws of entropy, that everything is moving from order to chaos, from order to, to disorder. That's the laws of entropy. Yet, there is so much in the universe that is growing and majestic and beautiful. Stephen Strogatz, a scientist, says this, Scientists have often been baffled by the existence of spontaneous order in the universe. The laws of thermodynamics seem to dictate the opposite. There shouldn't be spontaneous order. That nature should inexorably degenerate toward a state of greater disorder, greater entropy. Yet all around us we see magnificent structures, galaxies, cells, ecosystems, human beings that have all somehow managed to assemble themselves. Magically. We have the answer. God holds the universe together. Did we get that? Slideshow. We're going to just show some slides up here of the majesty of God. Some of these will be familiar to you. Thank you. We'll get the front one off at least. And just go ahead. The Word of God. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of His mouth. Go ahead. That's amazing. When I look at the solar system, I see the earth at the right distance from the sun to receive the proper amounts of heat and light. This didn't happen by chance. This most beautiful system of the sun, planets, and comets could only proceed from the counsel and dominion of an intelligent being. Anyone? Who said this? Go ahead. Sir Isaac Newton. Only God. Let's keep going. Look at some of these fish. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. I see it when I look up so often. Let's go and look at some of these scriptures. Isn't that magnificent? These are pictures from the Hubble. Look at how little earth is compared to the sun. That, that's a big flame. 
That's a slightly large planet. Keep going. A hundred and nine Earths lined up on the sun. hundred and nine of them. This is the sun, the little dot, compared to a big Cacanus Majoris, which again we learned we watched the How Great Is Our God, big dog star. <laughs> Look at the galaxies there. There's just, just, just amazing stuff here. trying to get an idea of some of these things there. There's the sun. <laughs> 11 million light years away. Sombrero. Por todos los mexicanos. some iron there. <laughs> Three million six hundred trillions. Six trillions. <laughs> That's just, just beautiful. That's just beautiful. I see nature, and it brings up questions. I mean, I, this causes questions for me, even. Okay, there's a simple one for me. 300 million light years. In order to have a picture of something that's 300 million light years away, you are seeing the reflection of light that was projected. 300 million years ago. <laughs> right? You, you, the light took you, the, the vision took you 300 million years to see. So it reflected that, that picture to us 300 million years ago. How does that work? God is the big dog star. God is the big dog. He is absolutely amazing. Amazing. And magically, somehow, all of these things just assemble themselves. God is, is big and He is in nature. Who is this God? God is beyond us. He's a spirit. God is not limited to any of the laws that 
that we know because He is the Creator of the laws that we know. And, and He puts different laws on different planets, even of gravity and different things. But He is Spirit. John 4.24 says, God is Spirit. His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. He's not finite. When we read the things in the Bible that talk about the arm of God or, or the eyes of God, this is, this is what's, what's called anthropomorphism. It's putting things of ourselves onto God. What does God look like? I don't know. He's spirit. But He came in the person of Jesus Christ. So immediately we go, He's not confined. We try to picture God, and most of us say, well, what does God look like? You know, we see the picture of Jesus with the robes and blue eyes, and I mean, He is beyond that. He's a spirit. But God is perfect. Matthew 5.48 We're going to lay a... We're, this is going to be a fast-moving foundation just to help us say to know a little bit about God and therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect why do I lay this foundation of what we're about to go through quickly we're going to begin to talk about his attributes because it's so important that we understand who God is because if we're in Christ we need to have a right picture of who we're in if we have a distorted picture of God and we say that we're in God, then we're going to have a distorted picture of what He has for us and the way we're supposed to live too. God is perfect. How many times have you said, and I say this often when people you know, say, I, I, especially idealistic people, and say, oh, they, we'll do this and that. I say, man, in a perfect world. In a perfect world. Do you know God lives in a perfect world? He is perfect. For Him... Everything about him is perfect. He's also personal. So he's perfect, but he's personal. He's incomprehensible and knowable. He's perfect and he's personal. A personal being is one that's self-conscious. They possess intellect and feeling and will. God possesses a will. He has intellect. Many people today believe in an impersonal God who's far off, who really doesn't care and understand our going through. We're going back in many ways to the kind of the Greek gods that couldn't understand and they were, you know, up there and untouchable. Nature is an impersonal God. God is not nature. Nature is a creation of God. A picture of His beauty maybe, but it's not God. But many people want to put him into these boxes and make him an impersonal God. And that God doesn't answer prayer. And he's not displeased with evil. He's just the universe itself. An impersonal God may not confront our selfishness. And an impersonal God can't help us in our troubles. But the Holy Scriptures, the Bible says that God is a personal, transcendent God. He stands apart from the universe as, as its creator and yet at the same time knows you intimately. He's imminent, close to us. He sent His Son to reside with us, to live with us. He sends His Holy Spirit to walk and be in creation. And he cares for because He is a caring, perfect, heavenly Father. Who is God? The names of God. 
give us an insight into who He is. The Bible calls Him El. He's mighty. El Elyon. He is the Most High. You're having a problem and you realize God is the Most High. El Olam. He's the everlasting God. You are the everlasting God. When you want wisdom, you go to, ra- go to somebody who's been around for a while. You know, right? When you want to know, you go, let's go to somebody who's, who knows the ropes. God is the everlasting God. There's not any ropes that He doesn't know. He's El Shaddai. He's the Almighty God. In Deuteronomy 32, He's revealed to us as the rock. He is the rock and His work is perfect. He's unchanging. He's the rock of ages is another scripture. He's the rock. We need the strength of the rock. Genesis 22 teaches us that He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide. The one who... See, the, the real word Jireh literally means the one who sees our need ahead of time and makes provision for it. It's so much more than just He's our provider. He's one that sees our need. That means He's looking, He's watching, He's caring for us. And He's made provision. This was when, when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac and the ram was caught in the thicket. I think the ram was there the whole time. God saw the need ahead of time for Abraham. And He had the ram get caught so that in times of need it was already there. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. Exodus 15 says that He's our healer. In Judges 6.24, we get to know Him as Jehovah Shalom. Our God is peace. He's not just the warrior God. He's the God of peace. Romans 16 declares the same thing, the God of peace. Jehovah Ra'ah, the Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. Slowly we're beginning to find the attributes of God to get a clear picture of who He is. That which you've learned may be incorrect of God. We need to wash those views and understandings of God being an angry, unforgiving God. Let these wash over you. Hear these and let them change your understanding and view of God. In Jeremiah 23, we learn that He is the Lord, our righteousness. Thank God that He's our righteousness because mine isn't enough. He is the Lord of hosts. Psalm 24 says, Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. 1 John 4.8, we learn that God is love. Malachi 3.6 says, I am the Lord, I change not. He's unchanging. He's immutable is the theological word that we use. He's unchanging. Hallelujah. God, I've seen so much difference in him. Oh, that's just different attributes. You've seen different sides of God. Do you ever see somebody who's just usually passive and real meek rise up and protect his family or rise up and be a leader and you go, wow. Sometimes you go, who is that guy? That's a side of him I've 
never seen before. It's a side. God has so many sides. He's all of them. And He knows which side to be at the right moment. James 1.17 says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Thank You, Lord, that You loved us and You still do. 1 Timothy 1 says that He is eternal. He is eternal. He's the everlasting God. In Jeremiah 23, we find that He is omnipresent. He is everywhere all at the same time. Demons don't share that quality. The devil himself does not share that quality. The devil is not omnipresent. He is in one place at one time. He is an angel. I think he can probably zip from one end of the universe, one end of the earth to the other pretty quick because he's not bound by the laws that we are either, but he is not everywhere at once, but God is. And he is all-knowing. Psalm 139 paints that picture. He knows. He knows everything. Right there, we should stop for a moment. We can soak in that fact. Lord, You've searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, You know it all together. He knows You. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He knows Your hurts. You don't have to hide them. You don't have to fake it. Give them to Him. He also knows when you're a poser, you're faking it. Stop it. Just be real with God. He knows. In Jeremiah, back in Jeremiah, we find so much about the Lord in the Scriptures in Jeremiah 32. See, some of us in here, because of personality makeups, tend to latch on to certain attributes of God more than the others. For some of you, when I say God has loved you, I don't care. Where's His power? Ooh, I don't care. He's everything. Jeremiah 32 gives us a double picture of Him. This is for both the love side and the power side. Our Lord God. I can hardly say the scripture without singing it. Our Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thy great power. Now an and thou outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult for Thee. Yes, power. In 18 he goes, You show loving kindness. Power and love. He's everything. He's amazing. You know, Hebrews, we take these attributes and we continue to add into them. Hebrews 4.15 declares that He is sinless. He's perfect. Learn that about Him. He is sinless. And Jesus, He walked on the earth 
was absolutely sinless. He underwent every sin known to man. He was tempted in all ways that was common to man, but without sin. But he can relate. The picture of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane was not somebody who wasn't suffering in the moment. Tears. Such stress. Such stress upon the physical body of Jesus that it said that His sweat fell to the ground as drops of blood. And, and there, there's a name for that when you sweat so hard that you can actually break blood vessels from, from stress and from pressure. You know, I've, I've been pretty stressed in my life. People even accuse me, man, break a blood vessel for Jesus. You know, where just come on, calm down. But I've never bled. Jesus knows your stress. He knows your anxiety. Sinless. Have you been unrighteously accused, unjustly accused? Feel like you have to defend yourself? We all have judges. Psalm 7 says that He is the righteous judge. Our land needs more righteous judges because it's getting full of judges who have agendas. But thank God, no matter what happens in this nation, our judge is righteous. One of my favorite passages is Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34 is a, the encounter where God says, I want to see you. and Where Moses says to God, I want to see you. And God says, okay, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock over here. I'm going to pass by you. As I pass by you, I'm going to cover you. And as, as I pass by, I'm going to lift my hand. And you can see me, but only my backside. And what does he see? And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's the backside of God. It's amazing. Isaiah 9 says that He's the wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. That was a prophetic into who Jesus would be. God came in the form of Jesus so we could know Him more intimately. His first revelation was when John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 15.15 declares that God is your friend. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He's the healer. He's our banner. And He is your friend. Are some of your views of God beginning to break and change? And you're grasping on to the one true God. 
Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. He is your Creator. Not just the Creator. We talk about God. Yes, He's the Creator of the universe. He is your Creator and your Former. He formed you in your mother's womb. You're keeping good notes. You've now got to Z. 26. I decided to stop there. The last one is Savior. He's all of these things and He's come to be our Savior. Today in the town of David, a Savior is born. God exalted Him, Jesus, Acts 5 says, to His own right hand as Prince and Savior, that He might give repentance, forgiveness of sins to Israel. Titus chapter 3, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we've done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Church, we were lost in our sin. We were without hope, separated from God. The Bible teaches us clearly that all of us have sinned. We, we all sinned. We were all sinners. We fell short of the glory of God and that the wages of those sin, Romans 6.23, was death. But it gives us the love story, the beautiful story that God sent Jesus as a gift to mankind. To take away our sins. That we might be forever forgiven of our sin. That our original fellowship that God intended to have with us in the Garden of Eden, when He created Adam and Eve and wanted to walk in perfection and fellowship with Him forever, that was broken when they were disobedient, that we can be restored into that beautiful fellowship with God and that's His desire for us. He sent His own Son that we wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. We would live forever in heaven with Him. But it also means not just that we'll go to heaven. Salvation isn't just this thing that's far off. Salvation, eternity begins right now. Receiving Christ into our life, becoming a new creation, changes not just our future but our present. It translates us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And it begins the moment you trust Christ to be your Savior. When you repent of your sins and ask Him to forgive you and you entrust your life to Him, at that very moment, everything changes. Because the, for the first time in your life, you're alive spiritually. We were born dead spiritually because of the fall of Adam and Eve. We came to life on that day. If you've never done that, Today can be the day that you can have life, spiritual life, for the first time. Transformation occurs, and we change from being dead in our sins to dead in Christ, dead to sins. I know most of us in here this morning, but I, I have to ask, have you done that? Have you trusted Christ to be your Savior? 
Have you received that sacrifice for your sin, for your life, and been translated from darkness to life? Don't let this morning pass you by without fully committing your life to Him, receiving forgiveness and being changed, being made alive. The Bible says that we're supposed to be bold and make that confession and You've been coming to church. This is you this morning. I'm not going to ask every head to bow. But if you're sitting here saying, I need to commit my life to Christ right now, I'm just going to ask you to boldly raise your hand. Because we want to pray if there's anyone in here who needs to commit their life to the Lord. And that's a, that's a bold request. I'm going to assume that all of us have done that. That we're on this journey together of learning who God is. And we're going to find out so much more. Because we've adapted these wrong understandings of God. See, for those of us who trusted in Christ, our life is now hidden in God, hidden in Christ. We were bought at a price. A price. This amazing God that we spent the last 40 minutes speaking about, we're in Him. We're in Him. I can just let that soak in for a minute. You're in Him. The book of Ephesians talks about being in, in Christ and Christ being in us. There's four times as many scriptures about us being in Him than Him being in us. We are hidden in Christ. That's what we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about. We're going to begin to investigate what it means to be in Christ, understanding what it means to be in Christ is life changing. I believe that some of you in here wanted to raise your hand saying, you know, I don't feel like I'm saved because my life is hell. And I don't feel the resurrection of power in my life. That doesn't mean that you're not saved but necessarily, but it's very possible that you don't understand who you are in Christ. And so the life that you're living, who you are, is coming out in, in actions. Who your perception of who you are is. Your perception of God and your perception of who you are in Christ has been ruined by the world. And that's the journey we want to take over the next few weeks to help us understand who we are in Christ and the power and the life that God wants us to live. We don't want to miss these next few weeks. You don't want to miss this week and next week gathering together in your life groups to talk more about who God is and who we are in Him. We can go deeper. I'm on this personal journey as well. I'm in Christ. What does that mean? What do I look like? This isn't the real Rob. This is just an earth suit. I heard that recently. I like that. It's my earth suit. Who am I? Who are you? You don't want to miss it. Gather together. Who's going to come back next week? Anyone? Most of you, that's good. Who's going to tell a friend? Do you know somebody who's really not living in victory? They're a believer and they're just struggling. This next couple of weeks is for them. 
who we are in Christ. It's going to be a great journey. Let's pray. God, we are amazed at You. Just amazed. God, we stand in awe of Your glory and Your power and Your might. And we ask God this week, this day, that we would understand more and more of who You are. Begin to prepare our hearts. God, help us. Come ready to seek and understand who we are in You next week. That we might be victorious in our life as we understand that we are in You. Our life is in You. God, I thank You for challenging us and encouraging us this morning to think differently of You and understand not through our own circumstances and experience, God, not the filters of our life, God, but true reality, what the Word says about You. I pray that it would get deeper this week in our life. God, and bring us together next week Encourage us to invite others so we can find out, Lord, more about who are you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's good. That's good. That's good. Who wants to know who you are? We're going to find out. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in the morning. Yeah, yeah. morning. Both the